We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode number 21, if I'm not mistaken, joined now by the one and only Matt Rooney. Matt, we got plenty to talk about today. Bears looking like the Bears we may have expected. Uh, Cubbies riding the ship with a sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals. And it's almost hockey season, Matt, so we will dive into Matt's Hockey Minute. That and plenty more coming your way over the next hour. Matter, how are we doing this morning? You know, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm just, this is, we're, we're coming into this week basically the exact opposite, I feel like we did with the Bears last week. Obviously both both losses, but I feel last week we were everyone was so confident and excited, and this week it just kind of, I don't think we could have taken a bigger 180-degree flip on yeah, that. Uh, honestly, we'll, we'll get more into this, but yeah. it, it's it's all overreactions at this point. The sample size is so small, and we may think we know things about these football teams, whether it's the Bears, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Falcons, because of what we saw last year and the years prior. But we don't know a damn thing about most They're of these They're all teams. new groups. They're all new groups. Some of them, like the Lions, I think Gruden said last night that the Lions have 25, 24 new guys on their roster. These are completely different football teams. So until we have those sample sizes, we can't really make these grandiose, large, uh, broad paintbrush sweeping statements that we love to make one or two weeks in. And with that being said, let's make some of those statements about the Chicago Bears right now, Matt. <laughs> Joe, let's just, let's just dive into the real question that everybody's uh-huh. really asking here. Quarterback week three. What's 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 your read? What's your decision? If you if you're the one making the shots, obviously John Fox has already said it. It's it's still Mike Glennon's team. But what's what's your read on this situation? I I agree with that. Now, if at halftime Mitch Trubisky runs out of the tunnel and plays the second half, then we might be in a different headspace. But because you kept Glennon in there, maybe he didn't do the best job in holding his water and being a serviceable starter while we get Trubisky some sideline looks. I think that they are standing pat in that approach. Now, if this gets to a level where we're being embarrassed week after week by Tampa Bay, by Pittsburgh, by Green Bay, by the Vikings, all these teams coming down the the pipe at the Bears, then you really have to look at it. But because they stood next to their guy and let Glennon take his beating last week, I think you, you trot him out there again next week. So I just don't know. I don't know what the benefit would be at this point of the schedule at this Really difficult first five games of the schedule in being Mitch, in putting Mitch Trubisky in this football game. In the first, with the first five games of the schedule, the one I could possibly see is that Monday night home start against the Vikings, just because it's you know Thursday or Monday night game coming after a Thursday, so he's got long week off, not quite then, a bye week to prepare, but yeah, long long week off to prepare. But we we had that one circled too. It's a home game. It's probably going to yeah. be coming off of a pretty tough loss against the Packers. And when when I say tough loss, I mean ass beating. Um, by by the Green Bay Packers. So uh, that's the game that I kind of had pegged for Mitch Trubisky's um, debut as well, is that Vikings game. So I, I am happy that they're standing pat here. Now, did I find myself at halftime hoping to maybe see Mitch Trubisky take 30 snaps in the second half? Absolutely. If there was a situation that I could have uh, rationalized getting Mitch some snaps, it was that second half of the game was out of reach. The situation's still not right. You don't have targets for him, and not to say that you're going to have targets for him in week five, but it's just not the the best incubator for a rookie quarterback that has 13 starts. And I feel like a broken record, but 
that is still what the reality of the situation is. I'm with you, but at the same time, I don't. If, if you're going to go by, there's no weapons. The line's not great. You're always going to have that problem with the Bears. I feel at least you should not, not. You should no, no, why? No, 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 why? This brings up a whole. Joe, this brings up a whole other issue Joe, that this is what Joe, pisses me off. Can I talk? Can you let me go talk? Ahead. Go I'm ahead. meant to say this year. This okay. year, you're not going to. You didn't let me finish. I mean, obviously, at some point. In Mitch Trubisky's tenure with the Bears, I fully expect them to have weapons on the outside and offensive line. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this year, if you want to see him this year, the offensive line's probably always going to be banged up because Kyle Long is as good as he is. Just He's a little bit injury prone, so he's probably not going to be a 16-game-a-year guy from here on out. Josh Sitton's a little bit older. Uh, so I think you're always going to have to you're always going to see those injury issues on the offensive line and on the outside. They're, they're just not going to be talented this year because Cam Meredith's hurt. Kevin White stinks. Uh, Marcus Wheaton seems to be pretty injury prone, but hopefully maybe they can get him back. But even so, he's not a, a top receiver on any team. So there's there's not going to be a good situation this year to throw him into. The schedule is pretty ruthless throughout. I know that it eases up a little bit after the first five, but it doesn't get all that much better. I mean, it's at Baltimore yeah. versus Carolina, at New Orleans, Green Bay. Those are your next four after that daunting first five. So it's we're NFL not, football. It's yeah, not easy not, to win games. There is no good time to start so yeah. I, I say whenever this, uh, it, I think it should be this year, whenever you, not you, but whenever the coaching staff deems him ready, whether that's week, it's not week three against the Steelers now, we know, but whether that's week four against the Packers, five against the Vikes, week eight, or, you know, eight against Baltimore, whoever the hell it there's is. There's really no ideal there, there's situation. There's no ideal situation. Yeah. No, sure, maybe you'd that. like it to be at home, or maybe you want it to be on the road because you want him away from the pressure of the home crowd. I don't know, but wait till he's ready. If that's now, great. If it's not, that's fine too. But there, there is no. I hate this. Wait for a good situation because with this yeah. team this year, this, this offense, I'm still okay with the defense. Mm -hmm. With this offense, there's no good situation to put him into. Yeah, I agree with that, Matt. But you kind of hit a hit a note there with me. If you couldn't tell, uh, yeah. My yeah. my frustration is not with John Fox or Dal Loggins or. Mike Lennon or Mitch Trubisky. My frustration is that why year after year as Chicago Bear fans do we have to deal with more injuries than the the average NFL team? That I don't agree, I don't disagree with. Is is that an issue in conditioning? Is that an issue in scouting? Why do we always have to deal with a absolute just talent drought? Why do we have to deal with that? I, I know before before we got on the horn here we were talking a little bit about what was it, the 2015 Bears, where they kind yeah. of had that roster that we were excited about. Other than that, where has the talent been in the last two decades? We are always at a talent deficiency, and we are always one of the most injury-prone teams in the NFL. And I say we because I'm sick and tired of it, along with most of Bears fans. We're sick and tired of having to wait. We're sick and tired of having a just garbage product on the field and it boils down to not being able to keep your guys out there and when they're out there not having the guys that can win games why are why are we always at that deficiency as bears fans that's uh, i don't think that's a question that i can answer joe as much no, as i'd like I, to I know. there is no answer yeah. to that question There's because no that's a front that's a front office answer. That's a I mean, it's, even, uh, that, yeah, answer. It's, it's higher than the front office. I mean, it's not like Ryan Pace has been running the show for 20 years. And while I do think he's on the right track here, he's certainly what you said with injury wise. It's it's not looking too promising at his you know, at, at this point. I mean, last year obviously I think they were the most injured team in the year. This year, what that's going to be two. We're weeks. well on the way. I mean, Darrell Freeman week one now it looks like Nick Kwiatkowski in week two is going to be uh, is going to be lost for the year with the same injury. So I don't. I don't know. Be rolling. 
we're going to be rolling Ben Houck out there at linebacker pretty soon. Hey, Ben Houck, will, uh, I don't know if he's going to be fast enough, but he's going to be, he, he won't get out physical by anybody. A serviceable inside backer at the NFL level. I, I trust I him. To say. <laughs> I trust him. He got to grow oh, a hair though. Okay, so so Matt, we've gone negative here. You know me. It's about the yin and the yang. What, did you see anything positive? Out I, of the Bears I mean, I was Sunday? okay with what the defense did. Um, yeah, I mean, they were. I, I, I the the storyline was beat to death, and I know Tampa was playing in it too. But that defense was on the field a lot in some pretty yeah. brutal heat and put into pretty bad situations. And I thought they performed pretty admirably. I mean, the 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 front seven, front four, whatever you want to call it, got a little bit gassed in the second half and, and rightfully so so the pass rush slowed a little bit they were getting beat up a little bit on the run game but I can live with that I think they held Tampa to like 311 11 total yards granted they were working with short fields a lot but mm-hmm. I, I was fine with what I saw from them I think Tampa scored all their points off turnovers yeah so I'm not really gonna condemn them um offensively uh Zach Miller caught some nice passes yeah uh, that, that, I'm trying that's not about to it. laugh as I say this, but I mean, Mike Glennon looked good on that first drive until the interception. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, my only thing with this Bears offense, though. I mean, it's 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 an old football adage. I know Coach Esch used to say it to us all the time at Wesley, but nothing's ever as good as it seems. Nothing's ever as bad as it seems. I don't think they're this bad. I think they think this is probably the worst of the worst we saw with the Bears. I think last week mm. might be some of the better we've seen with the Bears, uh, but I don't I don't think we're going to get much worse than this. I uh, see. That's where I think you're setting yourself up for a little bit of uh, disappointment because I think that this is who the Chicago Bears really are this season, and uh, that might be an overreaction on the other end of the spectrum. But I think they their did, defense they is too nothing. good for them to be that bad. Yeah, but their defense could go days. out. Their defense could go out and play a solid football game like they did last week and still lose by nearly 25 points. That's still a possibility because of how inefficient and inept this offensive attack is you're going to put your defense in a lot of bad situations I think that this offense is so bad that this is who the Chicago Bears are if Jordan Howard is going to disappear in the running game and Tariq Cohen's numbers are going to dip like they did then your attack is non-existent I can't tell with Jordan Howard if if this is a sophomore slump if he's actually banged up because I know he's banged up a little bit in the preseason had a shoulder thing after week one or if this is just a result of the offensive line really missing Kyle Long, and then when Sitton went out, just kind of being gutted for the most part. I think they had they had to move Whitehair over. They had Tom Compton, their other backup guard, got hurt. So I can't really tell what's the deal with there. But that, that's yeah, they're, they're Jordan Howard's red flag with me right now. I, I'm a little bit worried about him. Yeah, and uh, this was brought to you by uh, one, one of our buddies, uh, Jack Kretze, actually, in one of our texts, was telling me that uh, a nice stat that uh, really rung true. The Bears have not won in September since 2014. Oh, yeah. John, Fox, now, John Fox is 0-8 as the Bears head coach in, in the month. They're, they're now uh, 0-2 to start their last three seasons. Mm-hmm. So um, this is this has just become the reality of being a Bears fan, and it's a damn shame because we don't deserve it. I agree. We deserve yeah. a lot better than this. Like this is uh, We can tout ourselves as the best fans and this and that and when there's nothing to root for, what can you expect from this fan base? And um, I had some family in town this weekend to celebrate the the birthday. And speaking of which, can I get one of those masks that you guys your your yes, the masks I'm, with you with holding up? Yes, a there face? are a few Joe Musso masks. Can you still mail me one? Um, yes, there will be one. Uh, oh, I'll overnight it to you. Yeah, tonight. please. I would. Um, I'd like to hang it in my my living but, room. But uh, we we obviously had some spirited debates uh, when, when you put that many uh, uh, strong-willed Italians and uh, good friends in one room. You start talking about the Bears, people start giving their two cents, and you know uh, 
Joe Musso Sr. sometimes a bit irrational, but he made some good points that you're going to, when you lose interest and when you're this futilely bad for this long, you're going to lose the season ticket holders. You're going to lose uh, the jersey sales. You're going to, like, the, the repercussions of this on field futility go so much further than an, a lot, than a, a mark in the loss column. There are going to be repercussions when you go into this is becoming an era of futility. There are going to be other repercussions other than just on-field losses. And no, it's, it's, it's such a shame. I agree with you. And that's also why I'm on the, the camp of getting Trubisky in there early enough this just season. Just to have something to root about? It, it'll, it'll get some people. Not that people will always be interested in turning on the Bears, I guess, on Sunday and watching. Ticket sales is another thing. But I think in Chicago, people are always going to watch the Bears. But if, if you get him in there, maybe you get some excitement with you know ticket sales, all that stuff. But if he can show flashes early on, I mean, right now with, with Mike Glennon as a starting quarterback, and if, if Mitch Trubisky doesn't see any time all year, I don't know any big free agents this year. But if you're a free agent wide receiver who you know is, is looking for a bigger deal, why the hell would you come play here without knowing who Mitch Trubisky is? But if Mitch Honestly. Trubisky, you know, play, say he plays you know eight weeks with a crap wide receiving core, a running game that is partially non-existent because defense is just key on the run now and dare the Bears to throw. But say you get a young quarterback in there who starts throwing the ball around a little bit is is a little bit impressive. If you're a young if you're a free agent wide receiver, I think that puts the Bears more on your map on the map of hey maybe that's a place I want to go and play. You know they actually have a young quarterback, they have a, a running game, maybe I can go and help. But if you yeah. have, if, if 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 you don't showcase what you have, you're not going to get anybody here, and you yeah, can't really- we we can't rely on if building you know skilled players and you know talent through the draft just because it, it's while you should be able to get some of these guys every so often it's it's hard to bank on you know a sure thing every year and picking up one of these you know guys who can help your offense like a Tariq Cohen who I think he's going to be but it, it's tough to bank on adding those every year so you're going to need free agency and you're going to need to showcase your quarterback at some point I, I do like that angle I like that slant Matt because uh, I really have not thought about it in that vein yet and you have to you got to sell the product even if it's garbage you got to make someone want to come here so it's not garbage you have to showcase your talents and I think at this point Jordan Howard and Mitch Trubisky on the offensive side of the ball is really the only thing we have talent wise yeah I mean I'll also throw Tariq Cohen up there I think he had that stupid fumble but I think he's a nice exciting piece I mean Zach Miller is a little bit of an older tight end but he's a he's a solid piece when he's healthy so I mean I think there are a couple building blocks, but they just need you know two probably two stud wide receivers on the outside. I think the only receiver this year has probably impressed me. I don't know about you, is Kendall Wright? I thought he's looked pretty pretty good in the slot, but he's obviously yeah, not a one or a, two. I was going to say um, he's a good three guy. He's a, he's he's a, a three or a four. Guy. Yeah, he's a good four four receiver receptions a game. But if uh, you're going to tra- if you're going to track some of those weapons on the outside, I mean, yeah. you, you never know how. I mean, this offense. That, that's how close. I mean, that, that's that's what they are away from being a good offense. I guess it is yeah. a lot, but they, if they get those two weapons and you can showcase Mitch Trubisky's talent, maybe you got something going in the next year. That they do, Matt. It's uh, Bears Steelers at Soldier Field this Sunday at noon. That's going to be on CBS. So um, I feel like the Bears never win on CBS. So just mark <laughs> that one down as an L as well. My God, Joe, you just. Uh, it's it's bad, Matt. It's I really know bad. it's bad. I know I it's bad. It's not going to take me till week eight to realize how bad it is. Honestly, Joe, you sound like I did talking about Notre Dame at halftime of the NDPC game. That, that's well, how that turned out. All right, <laughs> it turned out. All, maybe this will turn out all right.
And that, that's a perfect segue to our next topic here. Let's talk a little college football, Matt. Let's kick things off with ND. Um, really came at it from, from a different angle. I, I know that their the rushing attack was going to be strong this year, but two ru- two rushers over 200 yards against BC really turned it on in the second half, as you said, and uh, maybe gave the Irish faithful something to be excited about. Yeah, you know, the, the, the arm in Brandon Wimbush still clearly is a uh, developmental project, yeah. which I'm sure they're hoping is coming along. But I think, I don't know if they knew it would be, this much this, of a project, yeah. This much of a project, but <laughs> the, the the run game is definitely there. I was, you know, recently poked fun a little bit at, on Twitter uh, after last week my comment about Notre Dame having one of the most uh, one of the top rushing attacks in the country, and I'm still going to decide with the fact that they do. I think with that left side of the offensive line, I think you got a first round pick and a second round pick in McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson. I mean, Josh Adams is a he's got what two or three now hundred yard games on the year. Brandon mm-hmm. Wimbush, I think this was a second yard rushing, a uh, hundred yard rushing game on the year. So that rushing attack is there, and I'm not really worried about it when they play teams like BC because they'll. Grand BC has always had a very good defense for how bad they usually are, but teams like BC, I'm not really worried about. But it's it's the games against Georgia, it's the games against USC, it's the games against Stanford where they're good enough to take away your run game, and they dare you to throw the ball. That's again when I'm getting worried. So I'm kind of seeing like we talked about earlier on this year i think notre dame goes nine and three or eight and four and they win all the games they should and they lose all the games that you know they they should mm-hmm. it's uh it's michigan state this weekend uh, on the road for the irish and that's always a trap game uh i feel like uh, it's one of those games that no matter how good or bad either one of those either teams are they, is, yeah. they always play up to yeah. they, they always but, get up for that game but your next ranked opponent on where you'd really see a test against that run game is in uh, that's four weeks from now against USC at home. Um, USC, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't want to give them the, the Colin Powered fake ID treatment yet, but uh, did not look like uh, the team that was advertised in the first couple weeks. Um, going to double overtime, just squeaking one out against uh, storied rival Texas. And uh, it was an exciting game. The walk on kicker comes on in front of 80,000 plus to win the game in double overtime and uh, got it done. For, for the Trojans, I'm gonna. I, I know you said Colin Cowherd ripped USC a little bit, called them called them fake. I wasn't watching yesterday, but what I, I, I'm gonna give Texas a little bit more credit than than rip USC here. I mean, USC mm-hmm. went out and, and absolutely destroyed a well, what we thought was a very good Stanford team, but now just might be an okay Stanford team. But I mean, hats off to Texas; those kids played their ass off. Yeah. A true freshman quarterback out there making plays. They had a true freshman wide receiver who was going up and getting everything thrown to him, especially in that fourth quarter. So that's off to Texas. I mean, they, they USC didn't play as well as they could, but I think Texas deserves a lot of credit for how well they played. I don't think it was because USC let them hang around. I think Texas started find it, finally started to flash some of that talent in Tom Herman aura that, that, that Texas yeah. was hoping to bring there with them. Yeah, play flashy, play fast. And it just it, – it just goes to show that in football, it's applicable at all levels. We don't know who these teams are until they put enough sample size on the field, until they put at least five games of product together. You can't really it's decipher it. who they are. We're not in the film room breaking down um, you know, position-by-position position battles like these guys are on a week-to-week basis. So when you are a Texas getting ready for a USC, they're going through it with a much more fine-toothed comb than any of us mm-hmm. or any analyst across the country could be going through it with. They're going to be just as ready as they can be. And I think it's that fact that makes these games exciting and makes these games that maybe we think aren't supposed to be that close closer than they are supposed to be. So I'm with you. And I, 
I don't know. I know you didn't. You said you didn't get to watch much of it, or maybe you said you caught the end, just saw the highlights, whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I was watching just about the entire second half. I think of that game. I had Louisville Clemson on early, and then flipped over because that one turned into, out to be a blowout. But mm-hmm. that final drive that Sam Darnold went on with, you know, forty seconds left, I think, on their own twenty or whatever the hell it was. I think one or two timeouts. That was as impressive of a drive as I, I think I've seen from a quarterback in a long time. They, he he yeah. had all the pressure in the world on him. He had probably their season riding on his shoulders, and he looked as cool, calm, and composed and drew, drove them down the field as efficiently as you could ever hope a quarterback would. So that, Well, he didn't have the most consistent game. He showed flashes, and in that drive, he really looked like this is a guy I want leading my huddle in the NFL for the next you know 10 years. And, and you said it, Matt, because – there are things you could nitpick with his game, whether it be his throwing motion, but he's been in an adverse situation a number of times in his young career already, and he seems to always step up to the plate. Yep. He seems to always go to bat for his guys. He kind of has that surgeon's uh, tempo to him where nothing can really rattle him in the moment he's always going to execute to his best ability. Now, whether the guys around him execute, that's something... That, that he, that's out of his control, but he's always going to put his team in the best position to win on a snap-to-snap basis. And that's why I think you're going to have a lot of teams drooling over him despite whatever technical dis- deficiencies he may have in his game. So here's my question to you, Joe. If, say if the, I want to combine our last two conversation topics. Say okay. the Bears are as bad as you think they are and the Bears finish 2-14 you know, and 14 or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and they have the second overall draft pick. You're trading out of that pick, right? You're not taking Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. Uh, I think you have to trade out of that pick, maximize your first round. Uh, I think so too. Uh, but it was, it was a, because it was a question was brought that, up to me because say Rosen goes or say whichever quarterback you love out of those two falls. I mean, you already have Trubisky and love him, but these guys are also seen as generational talent. So I don't know yeah. if you trade that pick. Do you trade Mitch out of there? Not I, I just to, thought that uh, was an interesting. Yeah, not to not to walk back in our exact footsteps, Matt. But this is why I was calling for a Mike Lennon three and thirteen season that we're probably going to see anyway. Yeah. And then I was calling for Sam Darnold. Now, now that's just an old conversation, and um, I'm not going to get angry about them drafting Mitch Trubisky because I am excited about the kid now, and I've been talked into being excited about him and what he did what he did in the preseason excited me too. So it, it, that, that's an old conversation, but. That would have made a lot of sense. That would have made all the sense in the world. Speaking of, uh, of underachieving football teams, Joe, yeah. near and dear to your heart, <laughs> yes. what the hell happened in Lincoln, Nebraska on Saturday? Your, uh, your boy, your boy, Tanner Lee. Now, Joe. Now, I will, I'll be the first one to say that Tanner Lee has to play better. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's thrown the most interceptions in FBS. He's got seven interceptions. Of those seven interceptions, five of them have either been balls that hit receivers in the hands He's been hit when throwing the ball, so the numbers aren't as bad as what it is. He's not making the best decisions, and the offense around him just isn't that great. The defense took a turn for the best last game. They gave up seven points. Obviously, they were at a bad moment, but um, 14 of those 21 points that NIU scored were on pick sixes. The first one was a bubble screen that's, that's not a read play. The guy was blitzing off the edge. Tanner didn't even see him. It's pick six the other way. That's just football sometimes. Not that I'm being an apologist for him. The kid has to play better because a lot is expected of you, but um, it, it's just not looking like uh, the, the Husker team that was on paper because there are a lot of weapons on this offense. You have a Stanley Morgan Jr. who's going to be a third-round guy 
next year if he wants to go out. If he wants to come back for his senior year, maybe put some more stuff on tape, he could be, I think his ceiling is a second-round guy. He's an outstanding receiver. He'd be a great compliment guy anywhere. You have a J.D. Spielman who's your typical slot scat guy. You have uh, three running backs who are all serviceable in the backfield and a freshman coming up behind him and Jalen Bradley who's going to be great too. It's the offensive line that is the problem here in Lincoln, Nebraska. You cannot do anything as a football team if your offensive line cannot pass block or run block. Teams are teeing off on Tanner Lee. He was sacked three times, four times, one there was a penalty on it. It got expunged. That was a sack fumble that went the other way um, that looked like a fumble but got overturned. Uh, there was five other hurries, and he was on the ground 12 times last week. You can't win that way. You can't expect your quarterback to execute that way. This offensive line is another shell of an offensive line. They are dinged up. They are missing you know, their heartbeat and David Neville on the left side, but it's, it's got to be better, and it starts with the offensive line here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, I just I, I watched about the, the first half of that one, and I, I vowed after that loss that I'm, I'm, I'm not touching them. On, uh, <laughs> on on Saturday lines anymore. It looked the rest safe, of the year. didn't it? It looked, it, it looked very. Joe, one of the, one of them was a money line. I just needed them to win. Matt, you, you were uh, you were not alone in your no, texting I, me with displeasure. I'm on the <laughs> sideline at I'm on the sideline at halftime, stretching out, taking a little break, and uh, my phone's blowing up. My cousin's I, texting me. My buddies are texting me. You're texting. I made sure to wait till halftime. What's going on with Nebraska? I'm going to lose money. I was like, <laughs> well. Stop betting. One and two. You didn't tell me that. A, the, no, I didn't tell you that because it's it good for the. Safe. It's good for the podcast. Like I said, it, I like I said it, it looked safe, but uh, it, it it in fact was not. So the Huskers start Big Ten play this week at home against Rutgers, and uh, it doesn't seem like um, it seems like the biggest issue with this team, other than the offensive line, is confidence. Because when you lose to NIU, your fan base and your team internally, that confidence is going oh, to begin to waver. I don't care if it's Rutgers or Ohio State because Ohio State's coming here to Lincoln in a few weeks too. And if you can't write the ship against Rutgers, man, it's going to be a long season here uh, for, for, for Big Red. Now we'll touch on uh, I, in buy or sell coming up here. We got a little bit more Nebraska football talk. I got a question. Oh, I think you know me. I can talk it for you. And that's that's why I got one for you. But before we, I think <laughs> we're we're getting close to moving on here from college. But before we do, you got anything that uh, I know you didn't get to watch a lot of it, but anything catch your eye this weekend? Anything you liked, didn't like outside Clemson. of Lincoln, Nebraska? Clemson. Clemson. We talked about him last good. podcast. Clemson looks really good. The they, defensive front looks like a bunch of professionals. Um, offensively, they're getting it done. It's it, That looks like a team, and I said it last week, but that is really playing with a chip on their shoulder for being left out of all the major conversations when it comes to the college football playoff. They, uh, they look like they are going to be a high seed in the college football playoff, at least at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, that was one of kind of two big games on their schedule, I think, left. I didn't know they got, what, Florida mm-hmm. State? I'm not sure if they – I think – I don't know, remember if they go to Florida State or if they're at home, but either way, without yeah. uh, Francois, they, that, that should be a win for them uh, no matter what. Kelly Bryant really took, I think, a step forward this week. I think their offense had kind of been a little bit slow, especially against Auburn, but – they, uh, they, they didn't look like they missed a beat against Louisville. And that front four, I mean front seven, but that, that you know four down defensive lineman for Clemson looked unbelievably good. They just, yeah. and Lamar Jackson and was able to reel off a couple runs here and there because he's that. He's always gone at that. They kept everybody in check until the end of that ballgame. Yeah, they're, they're looking really strong. And my other big takeaway from this week is that um, if we have any Tennessee volunteer fans listening, our, our thoughts and prayers are with you at all times. They just find new ways to just wrench their fan base's hearts on a week-to-week basis. And uh, that finish for Florida, while 
was one of the most exciting finishes you'll ever see in college football. Uh, for the Tennessee side of things, it's just another dagger in the backs of that fan base. So you know, what, what goes around comes around for them, Joe. They had like four <laughs> wins like that last year, highlighted by that Georgia one where they caught the hand yeah. Mary on the tip pass. So this is, yeah. I'm, I don't feel too bad for them because they, they had this in their favor last year. But that was as cool of an ending of a college football game, given the situation, you know, in the swamp after Hurricane Irma, all that stuff, a true freshman quarterback in a rivalry game, last play of the game after Tennessee, just kind of grabbed all the momentum back with the, the interception and going down and tying the ball game. That was just, I, I don't know how you let somebody get deeper than you on the last play of the game. But I was going to say, what's what's the old saying? Deeper than the deepest I'm not, in that situation? Especially in that situation. How do you let situation. someone behind you? I don't know. Unbelievable! I really, I've never played free safety in my life. I'm not going to play <laughs> pretend like I have. But I come don't on, know man, break it down for us. Well, I, I haven't in flag football. I usually call free safety, so I don't have to guard anybody. There but you go. Uh, a no. robber, more of a robber. Yeah, than anything. there you go. I'm just, I'm, I'm Roman a little bit. Uh, for nice. for me too, I want to highlight one thing. I want to pump my own tires here a little bit, Joe, because I think in the the preview special, I was all on the Oklahoma State bandwagon. Not uh-huh. so much a sleeper at number ten, but maybe a dark horse to to make some noise. You had them in the playoff. I am in the playoff. I know it's just Pitt, but you know playing at Pitt that that's always can be a you know a tricky game to go play. Sometimes they rise up to the occasion. They absolutely blew the doors off Pittsburgh in that game. Forty nine yep. points in the first half. Mason Rudolph looks like the real deal, making some big time throws in that game. They're they're my new outside of Notre Dame, which I don't even call them must watch. I have to watch them because I'm a fan. But Oklahoma State so far for me has just been that offense is must much must watch football. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna have to. Start to look at them with a with a, a closer uh, uh, put the microscope over them because uh, as as the season progresses, uh, I think that uh, your your prediction becomes more of a real more of a reality, more of a possibility. But um, I, I don't know if they are of Oklahoma caliber. Well, that that's, that's that would be that I would be the deciding factor. There. I was just going to say that's the game I can't look for. Or I can't wait for it now. That Bedlam game. I think it's actually. I, I think I was wrong early on. I said it was at the end of the year. I think that it's, it's with the Big 12 championship game that's been moved to midseason now. Mm-hmm. So that should be, I'm guessing, both of those teams will likely go into it undefeated, and that'll be a game of the year candidate, I think. I think so as well, Matt. And uh, it's going to be a fun college football season uh, from all the different angles. So we will be uh, keeping all of our faithful listeners up to speed on what we think of the current landscape. Matt, let's, uh, let's take a left turn here and talk a little Cubs baseball Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the good, the bad, and the ugly, this week was the good. It seems to be something different each and every week. Six straight now, I believe. Uh, yes, with six a sweep straight. Of the, with a sweep of the Mets and a sweep of the Cardinals. Big sweep of the Cardinals uh, for the standings here. The Cardinals dropped to six back. Milwaukee still just three and a half back, shouting distance. But, uh, you know, only a few weeks left in the baseball season here, and the Cubs may be catching their stride. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly looked like the offense definitely seemed to wake up. I think um, in that, that six-game win streak, they put up 55 runs. Yeah, you got um, so 17 one day, 14 one day, eight two other times, and then yeah. two four-run performances against the Cardinals. So and I, uh, that's what it's going to take if your pitching's not there. I mean, yeah, that's what we've been waiting for, I feel like, throughout this entire year with this Cubs team is that they, they've had these outbursts you know, here and there, but they've really been more single-game outbursts, only to be followed uh-huh. up by a shutout. But it, it seems like they're starting to consistently put it together. They, they face good pitching in St. Louis. I think they faced, you know, Carlos Martinez, Lance Lynn, so they, they they had the top of that rotation. It wasn't like they were beating up on, you know, back-end guys. But it, if this is the Cubs team that's going to show up, I think they're going to have a fighting chance in the playoffs, even though that pitching isn't exactly what it is. But 
I, I'm still a little bit worried about that bullpen. I yeah. know they've been they were great in this six game uh, win streak. I think something like 20 innings. They've only allowed five earned. I don't think they allowed an earned run against the Cardinals. But playoffs are a whole different animal. I know Wade Davis is going to be just fine. But after that, I just I don't really know what to think of the bullpen. And I think what we've seen in the past is it's not even starting pitching that wins you championships anymore. So for the last few years, it's been bullpens that win you championships. Yeah, and Matt, to, to kind of zoom out on the Cubs here a little bit, because after a World Series championship, you, you tend to hit everything with a fine-tooth comb. But I think this is largely an issue of inflated expectation. And not to say that those expectations are false, because when you win a World Series, you obviously understand that your team has the ability to do that, and you want them to continue to do that. But if you zoom out and look at it, the Cubs have the second-best record in the second half. If it wasn't for just the astronomical winning streak by the Cleveland Indians, they'd have the best record in the second half. It may seem like a up and down and up and down, but those highs have been just as high as those lows have been low. And that's gotten them to this point. If they can maintain some sort of momentum here, they're still one of the favorites. Oh, I, I totally agree. I mean, they're, if, if they're playing this well, I mean, even if they're not playing this well, if the Cubs get into the playoffs, they're, they're the defending world series champions. They have still have a loaded lineup. They're, in my opinion, after the Dodgers, the favorite in the NL. I mean, I, I, even history speaks for itself. Washington hasn't been out of the NLDS without Dusty Baker, no matter how good they've been. So I don't mm-hmm. think I can put them quite ahead of, of the Cubs, no matter how well they're playing. So as long as the Cubs get there, I don't think I'd bet against them in any round of the playoffs. Even, hell, even with the Dodgers, they're not playing that great of baseball right now. I know they've righted the ship a little bit since dropping 11 straight, but that that NL is, is as up for grabs now as it's ever been with, with the Dodgers kind of limping into the into the playoffs here uh, we were also treated to uh, just what seemed like out of uh, off the top rope like no one expected an addison russell return without uh yeah, without I, any I, sort I, of simulated start no rehab i didn't assignment. even know he was off the dl nor did i and then he comes back in and i'm looking at it now five plate appearances reach base in all five plate appearances including a pinch hit home run so it was uh, a solid return for addison russell but an unexpected one at that yeah um Nice to see him back. I think they're going to need him over at shortstop once you come around to the playoffs because I think Baez is better suited as the as the second baseman there. But mm-hmm. that, that that's a, a much welcome addition to that lineup. I know he's had a, a down year, but he had a little bit of a down playoffs last year too, but still found ways to spark the teams with home runs here and there. So that, that's a that's a big return for them. That yeah, again, I we heard literally I heard nothing about it, and I, I work at Comcast Sportsnet. I heard nothing about Addison Russell coming back, but uh, nice to see him back in the lineup for them. That it is, Matt. Uh, 13 games remaining here for the Cubs. Still a four-gamer with the Brewers, followed by a four-gamer with I mean, St. That, Louis. That's the season, right? So that is the season right there. The, the that four kicks games off with Milwaukee, probably? Thursday, I mean, that, September, probably it, right? Thursday, September 21st. So whenever you're listening to this podcast, it could be going on right now by the magic of podcasting. But uh, Thursday, September 21st through Wednesday, September 27th, we'll have plenty to talk about when it comes to the Cubs because the season will be on the line. Couldn't have said it better myself, Joe. Well, you were supposed to fill and say something witty there, but whatever. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't feeling it. <laughs> Matt, uh, it is almost that time, and I know you are ready to scratch that itch. I this am. week, Chicago Blackhawks' potential lines oh, leaked out a bit, and um, I need you to uh, temper yourself here, but um, you're on the clock for Matt's first hockey minute of the season. Well, first off, we got hockey tonight. So let's get a little bit excited about that. Blackhawks open up the preseason in Columbus. 
But uh, training camp festival was over at the United Center this week. Uh, it, it's a little bit surprising, but it looks like Artem Anisimov is going to be moved off that second line with Patrick Kane and start out on the third line. Uh, Nick Schmaltz was centering Patrick Kane on that, that second line, even with uh, the, the young kid Alex Debrinkit getting some looks on the, the second line left wing. And if that's the case, that's going to be a really fun, talented, exciting line to watch. But Patrick Sharp's been getting some looks up there. But if they can get Alex Debrinkit on that second line, and actually get him producing like they think he can. The Blackhawks all of a sudden become a very deep team at forward with Taves, Panic, Sod up top, Kane, Schmaltz, uh, Dabrinkit, and then the second line, and then Anisimov, Sharp, and Ryan Hartman on the third line, not to mention that third line would probably have the best hair of any line ever <laughs> in the NHL. But they all of a sudden become a pretty deep team. Uh, over the weekend, or I believe it was the weekend, maybe last weekend, they uh, they picked up uh, veteran defenseman Cody Franzen on a, a postseason, or a preseason tryout, um, which I think is just a handshake agreement to once we put hosts on long-term injury reserve, we'll sign you because he's too good to be on a tryout contract. But all of a sudden, their defense has that veteran presence they've been looking for in the back end. So they're they're starting to put together the the makings of what looks like can be another pretty good team. I don't think they're done, uh, at least right, right they are done before the season, but I don't think they're done adding once the season starts. But uh, I... As you can tell, I'm excited to get going on hockey here. I can talk for another five minutes, but I know my minute's probably way overpassed, so I'll, I'll put a stop to it there. Matt, you put a stop to it there. That was one minute and 38 seconds. That's better hockey. than I usually do. We're going to have to pare you down as the season uh, as the season rolls on. You're, we'll you're going to knock a, me? We'll talk a lot of hockey, but we're going to hold you to, to a strict hockey minute because okay. we, can't, we can't build it as Matt's hockey minute if it's a minute 38. As long as it doesn't go to two, I feel like we can't. Okay. Okay, so you're, you're giving yourself a, a minute fifty-nine. Yeah, gotcha. it's still, it's still, um, you know, it's still a minute. It's a minute we're working plus. the we're working the technicalities here, and we'll that take was pretty it back. good for me. Usually, I go way that was board. that was, and I think uh, you fit a lot in there. And there's going to be a lot to be excited about, uh, especially good hairdos on the Blackhawks this season. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great competition back and forth between Sharp and Hartman. Well, Matt, that uh, I know that brings great joy to your heart, talking Blackhawks hockey. Uh, let, let's even things out here. Why don't you air out a grievance for us? All right. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Joe, my, my grievance, um, I don't think it was a grievance last week, but we talked about it uh, with, with Baker Mayfield after the, the plant and the flag in the uh, the middle of the O. He was, he was a little bit forced to apologize, um, you know, in the media, press conference, whatever it was the next day. My, my, my grievance is similar to that. Uh, before South Carolina and Kentucky, uh, you, you were a captain in college football, captain in high school. I'm not sure if, if you were big on shaking hands with the other team at the coin toss. Mm-hmm. South Carolina's captain snubbed the handshake with Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky went on to win 23-13. That's, that's irrelevant uh, here nor there. But then Will Muschamp apologized for his captains not doing that. And I think it, it might be a little bit different as a head coach doing it rather than making the captain do it because maybe a head coach just wants to say not save face for the program, but... He maybe back his player, whatever he wants to do. I don't know, but I don't think that warrants an apology. There's no yeah, rule. There's an unwritten, sure, maybe unwritten rule, whatever. You shake hands with the father. But if you don't want to shake hands before the game with the team you're about to go to battle with, that you're about to go on the gridiron for 60 minutes and try and you know kill, 
I, I don't think you, you should be forced to shake hands. If you don't want if you snub somebody after the game or, you know, no matter what happens, if you're if you're an asshole after the game and, and, and stuff goes wrong, whatever, I that, that that's a bigger issue for me. Um, if, if you're not shaking hands and all that stuff and you're you're snubbing people there, that, that's the bigger issue with me. But if you don't want to shake hands before a game, before you go to battle with this other team, th- th- I, I don't I don't care. That's yeah, fine I, with me. Uh, see, I agree with you with, with half of that there. I, I've always thought that, you know, before the game, that's part of, um, I don't know, that's part of the game. You go over there, you, you meet their representatives, you shake their hands, whether or not you like them. We shook the guys at North Central's hands. We shook the guys at Wheaton's hands. That was just what you did when you went out there. You don't have to mean anything by it, but you go out there, you shake the guy's hands. If you don't, I don't think that warrants an apology from a head coach, especially at a major program like this. There are so many other things to be talking about and worried about. Uh, uh, If you want to deal with that, you deal with that on your own time in a back room somewhere. You talk to your captains. You say, hey, guys, we shake our opponent's hands. And that's that. You don't have to make a big big outward media posture about it. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I'm anywhere near close to South Carolina football. I know of what they're doing since Will Muschamp took over, and I know it's probably not as well as they've expected. So maybe this is a way to deflect from a, a... I think it was they said their fourth straight loss to Kentucky, um, mm-hmm. but maybe that's a way of doing it. Maybe get some pressure off his hot seat. I'm not really sure, but I just thought, like, why, why do we need to apologize all the time for you know stuff like this? I just don't get it. I, I, I personally, when I was a captain in high school, yeah, I shook hands. But if somebody didn't want to shake hands with me, okay, fine, that's your that's your call. I'm not going to take offense to it. I might get a little bit pissed off about it, but I'm not going to be offended by it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree I with you. And uh, you just got me thinking because a uh, guy we used to shake hands with back in the high school days, Jordan Lynch, uh, ex-Heisman finalist, is now on the uh, coaching staff at NIU. Got to say hello to him this weekend. And the kid still looks like he could play running back quarterback at a very high level. So uh, Jordan Doesn't Lynch me. is doing well for all of our Southsiders that are listening. <laughs> uh, there, there's a lot of them, I think. Yes, and, and we um, all know how, how those Southsiders love Jordan Lynch. I remember working with the Cap and Haw show when they uh, when they drafted or signed Jordan Lynch, I think it was, to be mm-hmm. you know running back out of free agency. I, I got so many phone calls from people <laughs> saying, get Cutler is, out uh, of there. Get that Cutman out of there and let's get Jordan Lynch there. He just took NIU to the Orange Bowl. Yeah, but, uh, um, so. a good guy, and uh, team seems to be playing well. Came out with a, a W here in Lincoln this past week, Matt. You want to hit a little by yourself? Let's do it. All righty, why don't you start us off? All right, Joe, we touched on it a little bit here. I know you you aired your grievance on Nebraska football, but um, you know Mike Riley uh, was at a press conference or talked to the media, I think it was yesterday, maybe it was after yep. the game, not till I think it was yesterday, you would know better yes, than I would. I was, um, kind of said, yeah. What well, were you? Uh, yes, that's, <laughs> said, that's, yeah. my, that's my work, Matt. <laughs> so said plain and simple, you know, I'm coaching for my job every week. I know it might be something he has to say because he probably asked a question about it. But you know, buy or sell, Joe, Mike Riley and Nebraska are a good fit. Um, I buy it. I think Mike Riley's a good fit anywhere. I think Mike Riley is one of the better, is one of the more professional coaches in terms of everything that goes into being a coach. There's so much more that goes into it than, uh, than just X's and O's and getting your guys ready. Is that the biggest portion of it? Absolutely. Is that where they are deficient right now? Is that where they're lacking right now? Absolutely. But Mike Riley's a professional. He understands he's coaching for his job. He'll be the first one to come out there and say it. He's always been forthcoming with the media. He's always been great to deal with. He is smiling ear to ear, whether or not, uh, whether or not they're in a, a whether it's a victory Monday or a loss Monday, he's he's a good fit for college football. And I think 
his players his players play for him because of the type of person he is. He's a very kind person. Now you could have the conversation, is he too kind? Is he too easy on his guys? I don't think he's easy on these guys at all. I think he demands a lot from these guys, and the execution's just not there right now. I think Mike Riley's a great fit at Nebraska, and I think he's a great fit anywhere. Now, if you come out of here this season with four wins, is Mike Riley a good fit at Nebraska? No, I think they send him packing along with maybe uh, one position above him as well because this was, um, this was a hire by the athletic director, uh, Sean Eichhorst. And Sean Eichhorst, after the game, met with the media, which he does not always do. He came down by us and uh, made a few, a few comments to uh, kind of stand behind his coach because I think they know that their existence here at Nebraska is tethered pretty closely. So those two guys are both kind of working for uh, – working for their jobs for the rest of the season. And I think it's going to be very tense. And I think that it's not going to do Nebraska any favors to kind of have that dark cloud hanging over their heads. But at the same time, this is college football. And they sent Bo Pelini packing after, I believe it was eight consecutive nine-win seasons. Yep. So Nebraska demands excellence, and they have not seen it in a very long time. So uh, Mike Riley's going to have to turn things around here in a very, very tough Big Ten schedule that they have coming down the, down the pipe. Yeah, uh, I think but I think he's, he's a fit. I think he's a fit. Uh, that was the question. I yeah. buy that he's. I buy that he's a fit. But more goes into being a fit than keeping your job. Fair enough. Uh, fair yeah. enough. I just. I. I still remember when I saw they hired Mike. They fired Bo Pelini for Mike Riley. I thought obviously was, they usually go for the prior to me opposite. being. Yeah, it was prior to me being here, and I just remember being like, like what? Really? Nine That's, wins? Schools would kill for nine wins. Yeah, but and, and you know. Like I said, a I, lot more goes into it than on-field product. Well, that's why I'm not but saying what I, 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 hear, I wasn't surprised they got rid of Bo. I was yeah, Bo surprised was that not, they went with a guy who's you know Mike Riley, who was in a career yeah. eight and four, seven and five, you know nine and three mm-hmm. in good years guy at Oregon State. That just seemed like a, a 64 year old guy. It's not like it was a young up and coming coach who was doing that. At Oregon State It was a guy yeah. kind of on his last job type sort of deal. Bo uh, Bo was not. Not great to deal with on uh, no. on many different levels is what I'm told here at Nebraska, and that's really? that that's another way to get showed the door. So, yeah. oh, and a, a side note: speaking of head coaches and successful head coaches, met Les Miles this weekend. He was at the game. His son plays for Nebraska. He's a freshman at Nebraska. Freshman, retro freshman. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at it, but. His son's on the team, and he was calling the game for FS1. So saw oh, okay. him up in, in the in the media area. Just just. Just the guy you think he'd be. Just a was he chewing on some grass up? Had it had his twang. Just a great guy. Was and, he wearing uh, a hat? Just seemed like a ball coach. No was hat. He wearing had, that white LSU hat with some had, had, had the had the comb over rocking. So did, uh, did you ask him what he thinks of South Bend, Indiana? I, I did not ask oh, him what okay. he thinks of South Bend, but uh, he might be he might be looking at an opening here in, in Lincoln in not too long. But oh, I hope true. that's not the case. I hope the Huskers can turn it around because when they're winning. Uh, things here in in Lincoln seem to be the sun shines a little bit brighter when the Oscars are winning. Yeah, there's not much. A, there's not a. I don't think there's a better college football environment than Nebraska when Nebraska's good and, and, and competing for you know national championships and all that. So hopefully they can get that ship righted. Why don't you, uh, why don't you switch so. it up here, Joe? We've, we've talked enough Nebraska football for one. I, I think we've yeah we've hit our bases here. Um, Matt, buy or sell? We're gonna go NFL here. Buy Ooh. or sell after a. A uh, really strong performance against uh, maybe a, a less than below a below average Saints defense. Buy yourself the Patriots still as the AFC favorites. Oh, of course. We've I'm kind gonna, of seen we've I'm, kind of seen both sides of the Patriots in the first two weeks. I am, of course, I'm absolutely going to buy. Um, okay. for, for the same reasons you kind of touched on early on. I, we don't really know 
enough about these teams to kind of deviate from our original opinions, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And I, I know how good that you know the Patriots' offense is. I think their defense still has some work to do. Um, but they've that's been the situation in the past, and they always seem to get it figured out towards the end when they need to. So I, I have no reason to not believe that the Patriots are exactly who we thought they were, and that's the best team in the NFL. That said, my AFC championship matchup there, the other side of that, the Oakland Raiders, they're looking more and more like a team who might be able to challenge them. I mean, with, yeah. that, with that offense clicking on all cylinders, I and mean, with, with Crabtree and Cooper and now Marshawn Lynch too, they, they have no shortage of weapons, and that's a team who might be able to get into a shootout and keep up with the Patriots. It, uh, I really hope that is our, our, our final two in the AFC because both of them um, storied franchises and to see kind of the renaissance of the, uh, of the uh, Oakland Raiders would be great to go against a longtime powerhouse. It's just kind of the narrative you look for, especially with uh, just how – how true and how Oakland things feel in Oakland right now because they know their team is is leaving, leaving soon. But you got your hometown guy dancing on the sideline and things things just seem very uh, black and silver right now. And now, uh, I, I'm happy for them. You there. mentioned the dancing on the sidelines, and loved I, I, loved I, I I loved it too. Hold on, I want to pull this up, this exact uh, Twitter question up because Mike and I didn't listen to Mike and Mike this morning. But they had some Twitter poll questions saying, like, were you, like, offended or something by Marshawn Lynch dancing on the side? Like, if you, w- would you be a f- more offended or angry that Marshawn Lynch was dancing on the sidelines? Something like that. Why would no, anybody be no offended or angry? I have no other options than offended or angry. You know what? I'm yeah, offended. Like, th- like, that was it. Like, they gave it. Like, those were your two options. Like, what? Uh, yeah. No, that's, that's a little bit tone deaf there. It's and, Marshawn uh, Lynch. He was having fun. I'm going to keep my Mike and Mike comments to, uh, to myself here. Sorry. But uh, but I, just, um, I saw that. that honestly, that I was, was debating ma- making that my grievance because that just seeing that comment for me, dude, it's Marshawn Lynch. This is what he does. He's, not, he's dancing on the sidelines up 45. He's not Marshawn, on the field dancing on the Jets' sidelines. He's having fun on his own sidelines in his home crowd. Cut the Marshawn game. Lynch. Marshawn Lynch is uh, uh, the comedian at the funeral, and uh, the funeral being the NFL because things have gotten so stark and staunch and a little bit tight around the neck that Marshawn Lynch is that comedy relief that, that I think the league needs. So post it, uh, repost it. I think the league should be getting behind Marshawn Lynch and encouraging this type of uh, fun and lightheartedness because I think that's something that the league lacks right now. Totally agree. Totally. All agree. right, Matt, uh, hit me. All right. Uh, so here we're going to, I'm going to switch it up to more of a, a funner top, more fun topic. Fun. I like you, you, absolutely, you absolutely loved this question when I asked it to you last night. But you're a big golfer, obviously. Uh-huh. Golf season's still uh, got about a month or two left here. You, you you buy or sell music on the golf course, and you throw the get a Bluetooth you know speaker, throw it in the back of the cart there, and then just have some have some tunes going the entire round. I buy it. I buy it on a couple different levels because oh, uh, a couple different it, levels. It really it really depends on what the you know, what the speed of your round is. And I'm not talking about actual speed, but like what the mood is, what your foursome's doing. I think that everyone has to agree to it. I think we all got to want, want some music. I think it has to be played at a respectful level. I think it's got to be an awesome playlist, but also it, almost in the, almost the same point of the NFL needs a comedian. Go- golf needs a little lightheartedness. Golf needs to be a little bit looser. And when I go out and I play solo rounds, cause I play a lot of 
golf alone because I'm a lonely person. No, I'm kidding. But um, I, you know I what, Joe? Golf. You, you want to play golf? You tell me when and where. I'll come out to Lincoln, Nebraska. We well, I'm, I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out uh, right when we're done with with the podcast. Here. Well, usually I can't make it that quickly. <laughs> usually Tuesdays I go out solo because courses are wide open and it's my day off. So I'll go out play alone. I'll bring the Bluetooth with me, play a little music, maybe play a podcast. Uh, listen to ours back because I am a loyal listener of our podcast as well. Um, but uh, I think there's a place for it. And I think that golf courses are starting to realize the place for it. I think that they're realizing that it is an attraction, a way to get maybe the average golfer or not the everyday golfer out on the golf course. Because I was in a cart the other day at a, on a beautiful golf course here in Eagle, Nebraska at Woodland Hills. Or no, this was at Quarry Oaks in Ashland, Nebraska. And uh, it even said there was a little thing in the corner of the, of the golf cart that said, please play music at a respectable level. So they're cool with it. Just like make sure that Keep it only, make sure only you're hearing it. And yeah. with that, I think there's, that there's no, no issue with it at all. Let's have a good time. Good. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Beautiful. I, I, I'm, I'm very pro music. The only thing I don't like it was when, you know, the song, or the one song, when I'm lining up to, you know, lining up on a shot and the song ends. And I'm hanging mm-hmm. out over there, and I know it's about to switch, so I don't want to start my backswing until that, that <laughs> new beat comes in. Because yeah, I know you, you got to right, get on tempo. I know if I start that backswing before it does, it'll hit right at the top, and then I'll you know yank. <laughs> well, you're you're overthinking the swing, I think, then. Joe, I've always been overthinking the swing. That's that's yeah. Let's move that's on. <laughs> move on. I had the career low round two days before my birthday, so I strictly play birthday golf now. What was that's, the career round? I, I finally broke into the seventies. I got a seventy nine the other day. That was, welcome uh, to the club, Joe. It was a big. It was a big moment for me. So uh, welcome, welcome. But enough about me, Matt. We're no. going to do another buy or sell here, a fun one. I think with uh, no, because I with, know what this question is. This is not a fun question. But, but I'm saying a little bit more offbeat. But it's um, not with, fun. With it just dominating the box offices and people talking about how it's one of the greatest horror movies of all time, I'm going to come at you pretty pretty basic here. Buy or sell horror movies. I could not sell them more. Thank you, Jesus. Because why? I <laughs> why? Here, here's the the point of a horror movie is to scare you. Being yeah, no scared thanks. is not a good feeling. Agreed. Why would I want to be scared? By definition, being scared isn't good. It's not a good thing. Why would gonna, I want to feel that bad thing? It, why? Why do I want something to scare me? It's ridiculous. Here's thirteen dollars. Ruin my night. That's yeah, essentially thanks, thanks. what going to a horror movie is. Here's thirteen dollars. Um, I'm gonna have trouble sleeping when I turn out the lights. <laughs> I think now, clowns do, in my closet. Now, do I enjoy? Do I enjoy a good like uh, zombie movie or like a slasher, like Scream? I can deal with that, like jumpy. But like when it comes to the paranormal, like devil stuff and creepy clown guy stuff, yeah, that's no. just not not for me. I don't even like the slasher. Like I, I can live with them. I don't really like them. Like I just I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to jump. I don't want. I want to. I want to laugh or I want to be excited watching movies. It's, it's pretty um, simple. This pretty leads simple me guy. to. A, this leads me to a follow up question. Uh, Let's move have on. You watched, Let's move have on. You watched The Godfather yet? <laughs> What's the, what are we up to next year? Best thing I saw all week. Matt, if you don't watch The Godfather by episode twenty five, the podcast is over. Joe, it's you heard just it, tough. You heard Football season. You have four around. weeks. You have four weeks. Football season here. You four you know, weeks. It's, it's tough. You know, I got football on Saturday. That? That's football's your here. Fault. It's not my fault. That's your fault that you waited till football got. I here. blame society. Matt, best thing you saw this week? Best thing I saw this week: um, Sunday Night Football. The Devontae Freeman. I don't know if you watched the Devontae Freeman celebration, mm-hmm. where he hit the uh, hit the jumper into the lineman's hands, and then yes, NBC that was hit him with the with the round ball rock NBA NBA and NBC theme song. That was all. Best that was thing good I saw stuff. this weekend. I don't think it's close. To the, I, I don't know if they planned that 
or maybe talk to Devontae Freeman, get to people try to get some celebrations so they might have yeah. an idea. But if they didn't and that was just on the spot, that was genius producing or whatever the whoever the hell made that call. That was unbelievably cool. It was good stuff. Best thing I saw this week, not to get sappy or sentimental, but uh, had a had a group of the friends surprise me here in, in Lincoln for my birthday and uh, was not expecting that. Um, the girlfriend set it up and uh, she got me good. I had some aunts, some uncles, some of the best friends, uh, some, some great people from home came and saw me. So that was by far the best thing that I saw and did this week. So thank you to everyone that made it out here to Lincoln. We're, we're, I saw I saw some of the pictures. Looked like you guys had a fun time. And again, if you could send me one of those you get, Joe yeah, Russo faces, I face would be cutouts. very appreciative. Now, a little backstory on the face cutouts here, too. Um, there was about 20 of them to start the night, and pe- my friends are just passing them out to strangers at the bar. So we go to the first bar. We go to the second bar. People are at other bars with them now. They had traveled with people. I walk into the bathroom at the bar, and there's one stuck behind the soap dispenser on the mirror. So I'm looking at myself. It got weird. It got really weird. Huh. Um, a couple of the uh, a couple of the Nebraska football players were at the bar kind of drowning their sorrows. One of them is running around with, with my face stuck in his shirt. So it was uh, it was quite the sight to see at uh, Barry's here in Lincoln the other day. Well, there you go. Looks like you're, uh, you've become a minor celebrity out there then. I said it was just great PR with these, with these faces yeah. floating around. So it was a good time. Genius move on your part. I had nothing to do with it. It was I'm a surprise. Sure, you sure can't you put this on me. Uh, now, do I do I toe the line of narcissism? You will never hear me deny that. I had nothing to do with this. This was a surprise party, and my friends, KK Kelly, was in charge of the faces, is what I was told. So that's uh, that. I'm, my name needs to be cleared on that account. I'm sure that text you sent to her telling her to bring those has been deleted. <laughs> hey, if you do ever surprise me, bring cutouts of my faces. Oh, I, I, Joe, little, I not even surprised. Every time size. I see you from here on out, I think I'm going to try and bring a life size cutout of your face. <laughs> well, thank you, Matt. That's much appreciated. I know how much uh, I love looking at it. How about the mailbag? We got anything in the mailbag today? We do. Have, I actually want to scroll back to last week's because we liked okay. uh, we liked that one but ran out of time. <clears throat> Hold on. Let me get to it here. All right, Joe. With uh, with football season coming back here, Bill's Mafia is back. Um, the, the jumping through the tables, I think, is what we're getting at here. Dumber <laughs> trend, flying through tables or people running down friends in golf carts? I, think I don't people, think there's a wrong answer here, by the no, way. No, there's no wrong answer here, but I think people running down people in golf carts was a dumber trend because that is, uh, that's unwelcomed injury if you're the guy getting hit by the golf cart. If you're the person jumping off a roof through a table, you're welcoming injury upon yourself. That I can deal with. Is it stupid? Yes. There's, you accomplish nothing here other than look like an idiot for a, rooting on a terrible football team. That, that's what you look like. But hitting someone with a golf cart is essentially motor vehicle assault. And there were a couple of videos that came out of people with compound fractured legs. And you're just asking for a lot more problems when you're hitting someone with a golf cart. So I'm just saying golf cart striking or however you want to position that. Yeah, I'm with you because like as, as stupid as the jumping through tables thing is, I don't think it's really all that dangerous because, I mean, you don't have people jumping from that high up and they're just, just hit the table. Through. Don't just, miss the table. the table. You're jumping through plastic. <laughs> Joe, pro wrestlers do it all the time, and they, they turned out just fine. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> How many of them? Two? Uh, no. They, they're just, I mean, that, that it's stupid, but it's harmless. Uh-huh. I guess that, that, that's where I'm getting at. Yeah. This whole running over people with golf carts thing. I got to be honest with you. If you and I were ever on a golf course and you ever ran me over with a golf cart, I would uh-huh. probably not talk to you. I mean, now I'm probably giving you motivation to do so, but I don't think I'd want to talk to you ever again. Yeah. Like, that's there would how, be... that, that would really upset me. 
we would be at a crossroads of our friendship, man. Yeah. That's no, that's no doubt either way. Yeah, which we <laughs> certainly don't want that, Joe. So, so we agree on, uh, on golf court, uh, assault, golf course on course assault. It's assault. Yeah. We'll, we'll agree with that is by far the more <laughs> dumb, idiotic trend that I don't know anybody personally who is a fan of. Oh, goodness. All right, Matt. Well, uh, you got anything else for the people before I shut us down here? Well, I think we're going to skip lock of the week this week because I think yeah. you, you're a little bit, um, I, I need you, to, you need you need a timeout. I need to wipe the clay sling. The clay sling after my week one. Wipe the the sleep. Yeah, that just that yeah, sums that, it up. That I need sums help. It up pretty good. I need help. I need to, I need a I need a glass of water. I need some milk, as they would say, um, on the interwebs. But uh, I I've had two bad weeks, so I I didn't even look at the lines this week, and uh, I think week one was my uh, Northwestern lock, and they lost uh, to Duke. Uh, and my week two was USC. I think get, laying fourteen and a half, and they went to double overtime. So yeah, we're gonna sit. We're gonna sit this one out. Um, do you have anything you like for the people? Or are you gonna follow suit with me? I got nothing. I love. I saw Oklahoma okay. State was minus twelve at home against TCU. You're a pokey. I, I am. I'm in. A, but I'm not gonna call that a lock because I haven't seen TCU at all. Um, mm-hmm. So no, I'll, I'll 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 stick. I'll stick with you here. Joe. We'll we're, fall we're back. Solidarity. On this one. We're gonna we're gonna. Although I'm one and one and had a much better showing last week. Um, we'll, we'll pass on it this week. We'll come back to it next week. Sounds good, Matt. We will come back ready next week. As always, Moose and Runes listeners, thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate you listening. This episode 21 of the Moose and Runes podcast, we're getting up there. We always enjoy talking sports, and we hope you enjoy listening to us break it down. As always, subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and do whatever you can to make sure everyone knows about the Moose and Runes podcast. That's going to do it for the episode 21. Let's shut us down. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Matt, Matt, I think that uh, we've touched upon it, um, you know, in passing here during this podcast, but my parting words today just are along the lines of overreaction. Nothing that we've seen in the first two weeks of NFL football has any sort of validity. And, and that just goes to say, some teams are taking steps in the direction of who they will be. But you cannot make a overarching statement. You cannot determine who a team is unless they are as bad as certain teams. Now, I'm not going to go Chicago Bears here. We, we don't know who the Bears are either. We haven't seen Mitch Trubisky because Mitch Trubisky is who the Bears are moving forward. We don't know who the Patriots are. They look like uh, they looked a little futile in week one, and then week two they look like world beaters. We don't know who Jake Cutler's uh, Miami Dolphins are. They, they come down, he leads them down on a drive, and, and they win the game on a field goal. Will Jake Cutler throw an interception this season that gets them out of a game? Absolutely. We don't know who these teams are yet. So if you are a betting man or woman, go easy. If, you, uh, if you're making broad statements about these teams, go easy. Because none of these teams are who they think we are, to quote the great Denny Green. We need to give them time. We need to wait till at least week five when Mitch Trubisky comes in, when all of these teams have a little bit of a sample size and they start to come together as this year's teams. So give us some time. Enjoy the games and go easy on your teams. That's all I got here in episode 21 of the Moose and Runes podcast. Thank you as always for listening. We enjoy you. We hope you enjoy us. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. Have a great week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, 
and the blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs>